Welcome to Intuitive Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Ackerman, the Intuitive RD. I'm a non-diet registered dietitian and intuitive eating coach. My mission is to help women recover from diet culture and heal their relationship to food and body. Follow along as I speak with leading professionals in the field and explore concepts of intuitive eating, health at every size, and body liberation. Hey guys, this is episode 58 of Intuitive Bites. For the show today, I'm chatting with Tally Rye, who you may know from Instagram as Tally Rye. She is also the author of Train Happy, and we're talking about how to engage in movement without diet culture. Obviously, diet culture totally bleeds over into the fitness industry, the wellness industry. So it becomes this situation where if you've had an unhealthy relationship to food, there's a good chance you've had a really unhealthy relationship to movement as well. So when you go through this journey of healing your relationship to food, um, it often impacts your movement. And when you find yourself in a healthier place with food, you have to ask yourself, like, what role will movement play in your life going forward in this healthier place? Um, so Tally really gives her opinion on that and how you can do that and kind of the best way to rep- uh, support yourself on that journey. Um, so I'm really excited to share this episode with you guys. I think that, you know, this is um, a really important topic that affects so many people. So I think you're going to get a lot of value out of it. Also wanted to let you guys know, um, first of all, I am here with you through these weird times uh, with coronavirus, and if there's any way that I can support you guys better, reach out to me and let me know on Instagram or send me an email, Um, and I'm definitely willing to listen to you. Um, I do have my one-on-one coaching spots available, um, so if that's something that you're interested in right now and it makes sense for you, um, reach out to me and we can talk about that. You can also just send me... um, go to my website, theintuitiverd.com, and click on the Work With Me tab, and it'll kind of lead you down that path, and I'll, I'll reach out to you that way. All right, guys, that's all I have for you, so let's go ahead and listen to my conversation with Tally. All right, Tally, I'm super excited to chat with you. Thank you for coming on to talk today. Thank you so much for asking me. This is very exciting. Yay. So um, I am super happy that I've got my hands on a copy of your book, uh, Train Happy. It's like so beautiful. It kind of reminds me of um, Rebecca Scridgefield's book, uh, Body Kindness, just because it's so like colorful and like fun. I love it. Yeah, I wanted to make it a book that felt like it could be given as a gift as well as like, I hope with substance as well, because I think... um, I see it as an opportunity to kind of bridge the gap between um, kind of haze and like mainstream fitness spaces. And for people who are curious about fitness and exercise um, and, you know, the concept of, um, you know, the non-diet approach could be really new to them. So this is like hopefully a good introduction to that in the context of fitness. That's amazing. I love that idea because there's so many people who are kind of in that you know, middle ground. And like, that's, you know, those are the people that we want to kind of gently bring this message to. 
Yeah, exactly. I was having this conversation with a fellow personal trainer yesterday and um, we were kind of discussing about how we can educate PTs in a more formal sense. And we were both in agreement that we really wanted to pitch um, whatever we do at people who aren't necessarily already aligned with this stuff. We want to reach people who, you know, are kind of maybe curious, have vaguely heard of what's of you know health every size and um you know maybe they're aware of things like you know body positivity in the mainstream and even though that that's a whole other conversation but even though I um you know don't uh work in the context of body positivity per se um it's about engaging people who may be aware of these things and you know like working more holistically with clients and want to um, introduce them to movement that doesn't focus on progress that's just on the scales and I think that's a really gentle way of kind of raising awareness and, and changing an industry I think is something I'm really passionate about and I'm sure you feel the same within kind of dietetics and nutrition and there's like such a um, amazing community online of nutritionists and dietitians that I followed and find massively inspiring and I just hope that we can start to bring this change about in the fitness industry as well yeah well I think this your book is definitely gonna you know start that hopefully start that um getting I don't know getting out there another thing I want to mention about your book because obviously people can't see it as we're chatting about it here is like one of the first things that struck me was the representation of different types of bodies and it was very um clear that that was you know an intention or yeah an intention of yours and also you know that the photos are just are very real like they don't they're not retouched they just look like you know real bodies out there and I think that is something that will resonate with people who know the message or not you know yeah so when I was kind of talking to my publishers about this um I kind of said I want to use loads of different people from different you know backgrounds and shapes and sizes and um almost like different levels of fitness as well because I think you open up so many books and I think fitness professionals are largely unrelatable for so many people because it's our job to be fit and healthy and then there's also the stereotype of what a fitness professional will look like and the pressure that comes with that and I really wanted to have a book where you opened it and you felt like you could actually relate to it so that there was someone in there that you could look like you could think like oh that person looks like me and they're doing this stuff so then maybe I could give this a go and I think it's a really um I'm, I'm just really grateful my publishers uh said yes and were very behind the very behind the message never once tried to kind of water it down in any way and yeah we agreed absolutely no retouching in the book um and yeah which is why the picture of me has um <laughs> I've got some like funny fake tan marks on my body and things, but <laughs> it's fine. Yes. Um, it's amazing. fine. So we, yeah, I was really grateful to everyone who agreed to be involved. Um, and yeah, I'm really proud of that. I'm really, I am really proud of that. Part. Yeah. You know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about the overlap, of course, with, you know, the expectation of what a dietitian's body will, would look mm. like as well. Like it, I obviously can imagine it's, it's similar. I mean, it is, it's similar in the fitness industry. And it makes me think about like the underlying message beneath that is that like, if you're eating in a healthful, supportive way, or if you're moving in a healthful, supportive way, your body will look a certain way and how harmful that message is, you know? Yes, yeah, so I was really adamant as well that I didn't want to be on the front cover of the book. I didn't want it to be a picture of me because I think even though you may not explicitly say it, I still think there's so much, um, you know, 
underlying messaging that you know read this book do these do these workouts to look like me Mm. um and that's the kind of underlying subtext it's like if you do this you will look like me and I don't want you know I don't want anyone to look like me I want everyone to be themselves and do what feels right for them and you know listen to their bodies and trust themselves and it you know it's nothing to do with what I look like. It's all about, um, that individual, that reader. So, um, yeah, that was something else I was conscious of. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And I think, you know, it sounds like kind of the underlying thing there is like shifting away from movement for the purpose of trying to look a certain way or trying to shift what your body looks like or the size of your body or whatever, um, to shifting to something more inward. So that kind of leads me to, um, the question I was going to kind of just put your way and hopefully we can discuss, which is, you know, what are your initial thoughts on healing your relationship to movement? Like, what does that mean? I think, um, for so many people, and I'm sure maybe you can attest to this with people that you work with. A lot of people have associated exercise with dieting for so long. It's been so part of the weight loss process and it's been so part of that kind of self punishment process. And, I think we have traditionally used exercise as a means to kind of beat ourselves up um, physically. So whether that means, you know, working out to complete exhaustion, um, pushing through injuries, um, you know, making sure that, you know, being really hard on ourselves and giving ourselves specific calorie goal targets to meet for each workout. So, you know, not letting ourselves um, stop the run when we really want to. Those are all things we have done to kind of, beat ourselves up a bit Mm -hmm. and so for those um and I say this as someone from personal experience as well and and when you're trying to kind of find a good relationship with exercise I kind of often say to people that there's probably going to be a period when you might have to stop and you might have to rest um because it's all about recalibrating that pendulum. So say the pendulum has swung so far into dieting and exercise is so linked with food restriction. And particularly if you're trying to heal that, that restriction mentality, then you may have to go the other way, which I know in intuitive eating, we kind of talk about donut land and, you know, these places where you feel like you're eating all the food. And I think it's the same with exercise. You're actually probably stopping what you're doing. And then in the middle, you find the sweet spot where you are able to have fitness and exercise and movement back on your own terms so that you're doing what you truly want to do and not what you feel you should be doing. Um, And that's largely because the narrative within the fitness industry has massively echoed diet culture. In fact, I would say fitness has been totally taken over by diet culture and um, in the mainstream. And so we only think of exercise as something we do to get quote results. And those results are usually a physical transformation. um, They're to get abs, they're to get you know a perky butt there all these things Mm -hmm. and um we forget how amazing exercise is and how beneficial it can be especially for your mind um but there's a process of like untangling and extrapolating those two things from each other and you know breaking that kind of cycle of like exercise equals restriction and then we find that happy place and I think um that's how I kind of encourage people to to start you know healing their relationship with exercise and you know the tools of intuitive eating have been really important with that um that's that was my kind of my personal gateway into really 
analyzing my relationship with exercise and asking myself why why was I telling myself I, I had to spend you know an x amount of time in the gym why was I telling myself that I was only allowed to do certain types of workouts and that others such mm. as yoga weren't valid why where did all this stuff come from and I um had learned so many rules from diet culture and so it's been about kind of writing the rule book for myself where there are no rules and everything is valid and um you know it's like discovering what makes me feel good all over again and that's hence my book train happy was really like helping other people to have a tool um toolbox to be able to do that yeah that's amazing um I think that you know, one thing I was thinking of as you were talking was, you know, kind of that the swing of the pendulum and, and thinking about it in, in terms of exercise as well. Cause certainly I talk about that a lot with food mm-hmm. and I think that something that comes up a lot with my clients is this fear around like, well, this can't be healthy for me to be in this like quote unquote donut land. And, and when we're talking about that, we mean like kind of the swing of the pendulum to um, eating a lot of the foods that previously were restricted, right? So it can be mm. totally, like chaotic. It can feel physically not great in, in the body. It can feel really confusing. It can feel scary because it's like, okay, this is why I can't trust myself. This is why I need a diet because if I, when I'm not on the diet, I'm over here eating all the things. But um, I think it's interesting to relate it to, to movement. Um, and, and I want to encourage people to think about it from the perspective of like the that that result of like needing to take a break from movement or um, eating all the things is actually a result of all of like the toxic stuff, you know, related to diet culture and fitness as a result of diet culture. And it's actually not like the way that you would naturally behave if you didn't ever have that disordered stuff. And like the goal is to get to the place where you can be in the middle of the pendulum and you can be choosing movement that serves you in multiple ways and that you enjoy and that will be sustainable for those reasons. Right. Um, And it's the same with food too. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think there's a couple of different types of, reactions to that I think there are people like who are maybe who like I said have had such negative experiences and maybe traumatic experiences with fitness in the past whether that be someone living in a bigger body who has been treated badly in a gym environment or you know experienced weight stigma um and so for for people who may have had those type of experiences um there may be a feeling of um I think there's a lot of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I think there's a lot of trust to be built up with exercise again, because I think people are very wary and very, um, kind of on the defensive because they've had these bad experiences. So understandably people feel, um, you know, cautious about how they engage with exercise. And so, um, I think there are more and more resources coming out that, are showing that fitness doesn't have to come with diet culture. Like it doesn't have to be a hand in hand thing. They're actually two separate things when they're separated. And, you know, my book's an example of that. Uh, Louise Green's book, Big Fit Girl is an awesome example of that. You've got the app Let's Join, which is an awesome app that's really focuses at all levels of movement. They do lots of like chair yoga and things like that. So there's so many awesome resources coming to the surface, um, you know, getting books getting published um that are showing that fitness and exercise can be safe and can be enjoyable um and 
you know, can come without the diet culture and the weight stigma. Um, and that's really important. But I totally appreciate that there are people who are still kind of figuring all of that out because it's, you know, it, it's tough. And it's, um, like I said, it, you know, I'm just thinking back to like school days. I think some people have had really traumatic experiences with like PE or phys ed. And I think, um, now it's you know how can people access movement in their adult life that is about nourishing themselves and is about self-care rather than this kind of um self uh hatred narrative which i think so many people come to it i mean i think of programs like biggest loser yeah and i know there's been so much controversy around that and then the new reboot i of course haven't watched any of it um but i am just aware that fitness in the context of that show is largely about well in previous series it was largely about you know going until you throw up pushing yourself through pain barriers you know staying in the gym for hours and hours and you know really um working people till they were you know absolute to absolute exhaustion and so we have to that is a largely set the tone for how many people see fitness and movement and and personal trainers and fitness instructors so of course people don't trust us of course they're wary um and so it's really about trying to create you know safe environments for people again and and also educate people on the benefits of exercise that have nothing to do with you know um how much they weigh or what they look like and you know in my book i spent quite a lot of time talking about um you know how exercise can support our brain health our mental health how it can improve body image and contribute to um you know greater satisfaction um as well as all the physical benefits of you know helping um reduce risk of um you know, things like cardiovascular disease, um, and hypertension in later life. So those are all really important things. And I feel like we need to give those a bit more airtime and get people more, and they're not as glamorous and sexy as <laughs> these body transformations that we've been marketed for so long, but you know, they're so important. And, um, yeah, I think, cause I, I, I don't know about you, but I feel like there's a common misconception that, you know, people who are anti-diet are anti health and anti-exercise and fitness and that's just not the case we want we just you know I personally want to be a resource for people to encourage them to care for their bodies through movement if that feels right for them and give them you know safe and enjoyable resources to do so um, because I think you know everyone in you know anybody everybody deserves to be able to move and have fun and do what feels right for them so I think it's not that we're um, against, you know, getting fit and getting stronger and all those sorts of things. Um, but I just choose to promote it without the, um, the condition that those behaviors must result in weight loss, must result in aesthetic change. And yeah. I think that's the important um, differentiation. I think that's where we need to, like, yeah. you know, separate the two. I think that the fact that, you know, there is even that notion that, you know, people who are anti-health and kind of operating from that, this framework are, um, yeah, that people who are anti-diet would be anti-health. I think the the reason for that notion is because 
it just speaks to how closely tied our society, you know, equates weight and health, right? So it's like yeah. the second that we say, oh, we're not focusing on, you know, intentionally manipulating size or shape or anything related to appearance. We're just focused on behaviors and supporting the individual. The second that we take away the focus of health, people assume, well, then it must be anti-health, right? Like, mm. it's not, so it's, and I think the other piece to it is exactly what we were just talking about with the fact that in the beginning of this journey of stepping away from dieting and, you know, movement for the purpose of, of weight loss or whatever, um, the beginning of that journey oftentimes looks pretty chaotic because it's a reaction to all the crap. It's a reaction to all of the restrictive behaviors. So people view it as, well, you know, that's an unhealthy way to live, but really on the other side of that is just the most supportive and like nurturing and nourishing relationship to food and, and movement. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of barriers. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And I think like you said, like on the other side of that is freedom. I mean, for me personally, I got into fitness and exercise understanding, you know, doing Julian Michaels DVDs and, you know, only thinking that, when you're getting healthy, you're getting thinner. And that was all I equated getting healthy to because that was all I was shown. That was all that was the information I could find online. I was a student at the time and, you know, going on social media, the information I was getting about, you know, getting healthy was um, meal prepping, working out um, in a certain specific way. And, or I just copied what I just copied what I saw. I just role modeled the behavior I saw. And so finding out that actually, health is so much bigger than, you know, just what you eat and how you move and that there, you know, there are so many factors that go into um, health and like, you know, one of the main things being, you know, our mental health and through things like social connection, that mm -hmm. kind of really lifted the burden and the pressure on, of making my fitness and food so perfect. When I realized that that actually contributed to a relatively small amount to my overall health and that the best things I could do were, um, you know, make sure I was having adequate sleep and, um, you know, spending time with friends and, you know, those that it kind of just released a lot of pressure and, and stress on being perfect at eating and perfect at exercising. Um, and that was a huge breakthrough for me personally. And, and I hope, you know, when, when people kind of have that greater understanding and, um, it releases some of that pressure too. Totally. Yeah. I think I can totally definitely resonate um, with that as well. Um, and it's making me think of, you know, at the time of recording this, we're in a really difficult time in our world with this pandemic. And it's making me think about, um, you know, maybe some of the energy that many people are putting into like trying to perfect their at home workouts or whatever. Like I, I would I guess, invite people to try and shift some of that energy into like finding ways to connect with people, even if it's like FaceTiming or I don't know, whatever it might be. But I think yeah. like getting that social connection during the time. Oh, massively. And, you know, it's almost made like my family and I closer than ever. We're calling each other every day. We're, you know, video calling each other every day. Um, and it's really, yeah, it's really kind of, making me assess what's really important to me. And it's really interesting because I had this, had I been in this situation five years ago, I think what would have been really important to me was controlling everything I ate and con you know, making sure I did a workout, um, really a, a strict workout regime. And 
now, um, the, the thing that's been most important to me is um, moving. So, but like today I've been, I, <laughs> I have ended up having a, uh, a break that I hadn't anticipated in my day. So I decided I was going to learn a dance on TikTok. <laughs> and that was my joy that was my joyful movement today that was I, I was genuinely sweating when I sat down to do this chat with you and <laughs> I um, I've just been dancing on <laughs> on the internet and um but you know I've really I think that's really made me I mean don't get me wrong it's been turbulent times but I feel a lot calmer because I don't put so much pressure on myself my food and my body and I think that's huge the fact that um I realized that a lot of the time I was channeling the energy into food and exercise. It's because I wasn't able to feel my emotions and deal with all the other stuff going on. And so having that awareness um, has meant that this time I haven't felt the need for perfection with home workouts. Um, I've enjoyed moving my body and, and I've really focused on being very intuitive with that. Um, but I haven't, you know, had this need for perfection and you know rigid structure um whereas I think I would have had before I think it would be a totally different experience and I'm really grateful that I've managed to heal that relationship with food and exercise and my body because I think this would be a, another stress on my plate um whereas I think we're all just having I think we've all got a layer of stress that we're all dealing with um and you know it's it's good to know that I've got other methods to deal with those things now because for me it was just about creating tools to deal with stress and not just taking it out on my body and I think that's been huge for me yeah that's so powerful um you know Tally I want to ask you a question that I'm thinking might be you know might really connect with a lot of people listening to this and that is how do you figure out if your desire to engage in an exercise is is healthy and supportive or not yeah, so I think, so one of the questions, it's the first question I ask in my book is um, how, you know, would you still exercise if it had no impact on your weight or appearance? And then I would like to add on to that. Um, and if so, if you would still work out, what would you do? What would you do and why? Yeah. And I think when you're choosing um, the way to move your body from you know, in response to that question, I think that's when you know that you're doing what you want to do and what feels right for you and not feeling like you should do something because it's going to keep you smaller. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, if we're taking that out of the equation, what do you actually do moving? And there, and I think for many people, because a lot of people I ask are like, I would absolutely keep moving my body because it's so important for my mental health but I would probably do less HIIT workouts or, and I would do more yoga or I would prefer to do longer walks rather than making myself go for runs. And so I think that's, it's finding those kind of things is, are you wanting to do more gentle things? Are you wanting to do things such as dancing, which, you know, like I said, I just got a sweat up doing a 15 second TikTok dance about 50 times in a row. Um, <laughs> but I'm kind of, that is my like, form of joyful movement and it wasn't even with the intention of right I'm doing this to exercise now but it was like oh I really want to move and I want to do something but it can be fun and just noticing that um any form of movement is valid and it doesn't necessarily have to be in a structured rigid routine workout sense it can be you know the walk to the shop can be um just as important for your well-being um as making time to do 
um, you know, a yoga flow at home. So I think it's really about um, asking yourself what you would do if it didn't have to have a consequence on your weight or appearance. What would you actually like to do? Um, and like I said, for some people, they might be like, well, I won't want to, I don't want to do anything because I'm only doing this for this reason. Yeah. Uh, and that's where we kind of reassess. And so in my book, I took the principles of intuitive eating and I kind of took um, them and applied them to uh, how we feel about fitness and exercise. And, you know, in that sense, we kind of work out our hunger and fullness cues of exercise through working out when do we want to really push ourselves? When do we want to have a, how do we know to tune into our body for when we want um, to, to go a slower pace? Um, what are the rules that we've created around exercise and how do we challenge those and push back against those rules? Um, and obviously, you know, taking the diet mentality out of fitness, um, and so all of those things, so, you know, keep those elements of intrusive eating, you can absolutely apply to fitness, you know, in and of, in and of itself. So, um, yeah, I think if there are people listening who've done intuitive eating, I think they'll, they'll be like, oh, yeah, hang on a second. I can do this with, with moving my body too. And actually, um, it's a really cool process that, um, you know, it applies, I think, just as well. Totally. I feel like it's, it's kind of wild the ways that intuitive eating is like a doorway to just uh, this concept of intuitive living and yes it, does, it bleeds over into movement but it bleeds over into other parts of your life that you'd never expect so that certainly has been the case for me and I know it has for a lot of other people as well yeah um, I I have completely echo that experience yeah yeah so Tally um I would love to just kind of wrap up by having you give advice to the person that is listening, who this really, this whole thing really resonates with. And they, they know they've had a fraught relationship to, to movement and they want to start taking steps to have a healthier relationship. What are kind of just a couple little things you could give that person right now? So my first bit of advice would be to just really be gentle with yourself. And when you're, um, starting exercising again or transitioning to a more intuitive approach um, don't feel like you have to do everything perfectly straight away slowly start to incorporate the movement that you enjoy back into your life and experiment um, you know if you've felt that workouts only must be in the gym to count then start doing things that are outside the gym I mean um, in my book I have a whole list of types of movement whether it's like ice skating or rock climbing um, surfing swimming, um, dancing, what are all the different things that you can try that are fun and enjoyable and maybe you can get friends involved and include that social connection aspect into what you're doing so that workouts don't always feel like this formal chore that you have to do to control your body. And I think, so really encourage you to find the fun and experiment. And I think there's a, there's a big phase where you just have to do the fun stuff and, you know, there doesn't have to be much routine. And um, eventually when you're ready, in the same way that we apply gentle nutrition back into mm. um, our eating, we apply, we can start applying structure and routine back into our training. So for example, if you were like, okay, I've, um, and I talk about in the book about intrinsic and extrinsic motivation to exercise. And uh, the intuitive movement process is all about finding that those intrinsic reason those internal reasons inside of you why you want to move your body for yourself and so that may be a case of like wanting to raise money for a charity that you feel passionately about and therefore you want to do a marathon well you I wouldn't recommend 
training for a marathon intuitively to an extent because you can't just rock up and do a marathon. Um, that's not safe. But what we can do is, um, you know, apply gentle structure, gentle programming back into your training, but also still allowing room for flexibility and fun. So in the example of a marathon, I tend to tell people, say you have to do four runs a week. Well, maybe on that one out of four of those runs could be a fun run where you you get to set the tempos at the pace, do the distance you feel like doing. Or maybe you choose to do three runs a week and one day a week you want to go and do a dance class or you want to go and do trampolining or, um, I don't know, gymnastics or swimming or something that feels right for you. Then that's okay as well. And um, it's about finding flexibility within those things so you don't get tied back into the rigidity um, and therefore the the guilt that can come with, you know, not sticking to that routine or being, you know, forced out of that routine. I think keeping allowing flexibility is really important in having that kind of sustainable approach to whatever you choose to do. Totally. Thank you so much, Tally. That was amazing. I'm so glad for everything you shared. Uh, where can people find you online and any resources you have, including your book? So um, you can find me online. It's best to find me on places like Instagram, Twitter, um, at Tally Rye. So that's T-A-L-L-Y-R-Y-E. Um, I also have a website, tallyrye.co.uk. And you can find my book on Amazon US, Amazon UK. Um, and I believe in bookstores as well. I'm not sure where it's stocked in the US but um I do know that Amazon is definitely a good place to try um and yeah if you any you can also kind of contact me via social media uh, messaging and things like that if there's any more questions as well awesome thank you so much Tally oh my absolute pleasure thank you all right guys that is a wrap on episode 58 go check Tally out on Instagram at Tally Rye and definitely check out her book, Train Happy. I can't stress to you how awesome that book is on so many levels. So you definitely will get something out of it. Um, and then finally, like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, if you're looking for more support one-on-one -on -one and it makes sense for you right now, um, reach out to me about doing one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching sessions. You can go to my website, theintuitiverd.com and click on the work with me tab. Or you can even just send me a direct message on Instagram pretty good about trying to get back to people that way uh, as well. And then you can always send me an email at theintuitiverd at gmail.com. I hope you guys are staying well and I will talk to you really soon.